0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the PropSwap podcast. We are your hosts, Ian Epstein.
1: And Luke Pergandy.
0: And we are also the founders of PropSwap, the first marketplace to buy and sell sports bets. Thank you so much for joining us this week. We've got a special episode for you. We will be counting down the top five stories of of twenty twenty two in the gambling world. No stake or swap. We are just going to recap what has been a uh, a crazy year uh, in the uh, in the sports betting space. So, uh, before we get into it, I thought I'd mention a couple honorable mentions that. Uh, uh, that I think were, were, we're worth mentioning, but we're not going to include in the, in the top five list. Uh, the first one being, uh, Florida sports betting. Uh, a lot of this news went down earlier in the year, uh, where basically, uh, it's just such a convoluted situation with, uh, the Seminole tribes and they did have sports betting, but then it got blocked and there are these compacts, uh, and it's just, it's just a crazy thing. But, um, some of you may recall that Florida did have sports betting for uh, for a month or two, and then it's now been just caught up in the in the court system. So hopefully we'll have more uh, news on that in, in 2023, but just not enough time to get into that. Uh, and then the other story, which we actually have touched on uh, in previous episodes, is the Massachusetts sports betting situation, which uh, is is a mess for for different reasons. Um there's this reporter uh, that I follow on Twitter, Jessica Wellman, uh, who's done a great job kind of covering some of these uh, these hearings. Uh, one of the Massachusetts commissioners literally asked how come sports books couldn't offer betting on WWE, the the scripted wrestling uh, uh, sport, if you could call it that. So, I mean, that's just one example of 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 the 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 confusion going on there, but uh, we are hopeful that retail betting will be up and running shortly, in Massachusetts, with uh, online betting being up and running uh, in time for March Madness. Uh, but once again, not enough time to get into that. That's not in our top five. So uh, without further ado, let's get into the list. Starting us off number five. Uh, it's everyone's favorite furniture salesman, Mattress Mac. Uh, he won seventy five million dollars uh, from sports books by betting uh, Houston Astros World Series futures uh, now uh, as you may or may not be aware of this is all tied to promotions that he ran during the year that basically said uh, if you buy uh, a mattress or or really any other you know uh, piece of furniture uh, from his stores in, in in Texas that it would they would be free if the Astros win so uh, while Mac did win $75 million from sportsbooks. He essentially gave it all back to his customers uh, in refunds, which is uh incredible. I mean, I, I can't imagine how many uh families uh you know really need that money uh and you know to, to get it all back uh it, as as a refund was just is just uh incredible. And you know, he's talked about how much that um you know how much that city means to him. Uh but I thought this was an an interesting note. Um because he is from Texas, so he does make a lot of his sports bets in Louisiana, uh, which has legal sports betting. Texas, of course, does not. When reporting the November results, the Louisiana Game Control Board said that the state had a revenue loss of $27.6 million, and specifically said, in part due to Mattress Max World Series winning. So the fact that the state lost $27 million uh, in in the month of November and the attribute a lot of that to, uh, to max winnings is I think uh, an incredible story. So the reason why I, I think this is number five, I mean, not only uh, is it the largest win, um, in in legalized u.s sports betting history 75 million dollars but i think it just it was just such part of uh the conversation around around the world series i mean everyone whether you were rooting for him against him or or had no rooting interest at all i think everyone was was kind of invested in the story um so luke what would you think
1: about it yeah i mean throughout the first pitch right for one of the games and uh and houston throughout the first pitch so uh, yes, it was not just a sports betting story. Mattress Mack was, he was part of the entire economy around around that game. So, um, yeah, I mean, look, we're big fans of him. He makes big futures bets. Of course, we would support people making large futures bets. So he's going to do it year in and year out. Yeah, and I think you nailed it. Like, winning $75 million is incredible. I don't care if $75 million is changing hands of one person to another, it's still wild. Like, the fact that it showed up in the state's gaming report is – um it shows this the magnitude of this but yeah it's it's interesting but you know as with most of these big gambling stories like he basically laid it off he's um giving this right back to his customers by way of refunds for their furniture so interesting for sure we love more attention that on the industry and and him making large sports bets helps everyone understand sports betting more something some joe Schmo is watching the world series who had never heard of futures betting or sports betting and isn't, isn't familiar with it that's great great for the industry he's a really nice guy it was it was uh leaving a philly to get in a fight with them the philly sports fans at <laughs> the game at the bank um but uh yeah it's it's an awesome story and like i said we've met him we met him at the conference at the uh sports betting conference last uh last summer really nice guy so happy for him
0: yeah. Um, and like you said, not only was it large sports wagers, but large futures wagers, which, uh, you know, we, we we love to see. Uh, and, yeah, it's not just some, um, you know, anonymous whale at MGM betting half a million dollars on the Giants. It's, you know, he's he's out there. He's public. Uh, he takes the good with the bad. Um, you know, he's said that he's, you know, he's, he's a gambler at heart. Um, and so I think it was just a, a, a kind of a, a, a feel good story to get people more knowledgeable about sports betting. Um and you know at the end of the day yeah it it ended up being seventy five million dollars back in the pockets of of you know I think uh you know good good customers who uh who, who really needed it so uh yeah definitely uh I think an important story uh th- this year number four uh is is not great news uh and it revolves around the closure of Fubo Gaming. Uh, Fubo Gaming was created when Fubo TV, uh, which is a a publicly traded company, uh, acquired uh, the company Victory, which was a yet-to-be-launched sportsbook. Aimed at offering low hold percentages, uh, the strategy with, uh, with with this acquisition was to create a second screen experience that would link what the customers were streaming on Fubo TV, which uh, of course carries a, a ton of different sports channels, uh, with the sportsbook app. So the app could bring up the betting markets for whatever the the game the customers watching. So, for example, if you were streaming. Eagles, Cowboys on your TV, and you had the the Fubo uh, Fubo Sportsbook app open. You would be able to the it would pull up automatically that that Eagles Giants betting market on your phone. Uh, the sportsbook operated in three states uh, when it closed: Arizona, Iowa, and New Jersey. Arizona was their first state they launched in, and at the time of closure, they had .07 percent of the market share in that state uh so uh luke what what were your thoughts on on this uh the story when it broke?
1: um how much time do we have no <laughs> um you know the it seems similar to the score to the scores app right um the Canadian sports schedules uh standings app and the idea was let's convert all of these existing big sports fans that we already have, and we're just gonna convert them. Into sports betters, easy. It's like no, it's it's not that easy because there's already existing apps that people love. They the technology you're using better be so clean that the transition from app A onto app B is is natural. And I think that's why the score tripped up is that their their transition from the the traditional scores app, which I'm obsessed with, amazing app onto the sports betting app just wasn't clean. And it wasn't a, a smooth transition. And and this, this is, in this situation, it's not even the same device, right? You're going from TV to phone. And for, for that reason, I just, I never understood why they thought they could gain market share if, you know, and we'll get to some of the prices they paid to, to make a splash. Like if you're gonna run a really lean business, and just not spend money on marketing okay like maybe you can just you know have a be a one percent market share book and and still turn a profit but they they were paying a ton of cash on market access fees on advertising you know they they literally and we'll we'll talk about this i'll let you break it but you know they they spent a lot of cash on on team deals why don't you just talk about those two and then we can kind of discuss right. the yeah so it.
0: The, and the other thing I was going to mention was that, you know, I think people close to us, I, I definitely heard it from multiple people who were just very excited about this deal. I think they thought this was going to be this this great combination of, of gambling on your television, and uh, unfortunately, we were just not at the point yet. I think people somehow thought that you'd be watching Fubo on your TV, and then on the TV, you'd be able to bet, which, again... A, I don't know who wants that, you know, or who's begging to have that. Uh, and B, I, I just, we're just not there yet from a from a, a, a regulatory standpoint where they're going to allow, uh, you know, live betting with your TV remote. And again, I'm not even so sure who wants that. So yeah, I agree. It's like, so you're saying I'm going to delete the DraftKings app because I watch my live sports on Fubo? Like that's that was that was a big leap. Um, but yeah. So you mentioned this, and so again it'd be one thing if hey we're just gonna we're gonna incorporate sports betting into our you know paid streaming business and you know we're gonna use you know we're gonna use that to acquire customers on the streaming thing and we're not gonna put a bunch of money into advertising the, the sportsbook side of things but that's not what happened so uh, a couple of these deals right uh in january fubo signed a deal with the houston dynamo that included a 10 million dollar signing bonus plus one million dollars a year uh in marketing, and this was all uh in preparation if Texas were to legalize sports betting and if they did then uh it was it turned into like even a bigger deal with like fifteen million dollars uh plus per year in in requirements um, still not even sh- not sure what's going to happen with that deal, but another deal they signed uh, that has come out uh, and it 's not a great look is. Uh, So Fubo Sportsbook launched in New Jersey in September, just ahead of the NFL season. And they signed a marketing deal with the New York Jets, who of course they play their games uh, technically in New Jersey, Uh, but the Jets sued Fubo uh, in November. Uh, saying Fubo agreed to pay a $12.4 million uh, deal in, in sponsorship fees over a five-year term uh, and then failed to pay the first $1.2 million that was due on October 1st. Uh, and like I said, now they're suing Fubo. Uh, Fubo is claiming that because the the sports book, the game company is is defunct. That you know, V shouldn't owe that. But the Jets are saying, well, the the parent company is still very much in business, and V
1: should be on the hook for that. So, uh, what were your thoughts on on those marketing deals? Yeah. Um. So the take the Houston one first. The Dynamo are just going to sell that uh, again, or I, I should say, Fubo is just going to sell that to someone else. So they'll, if sports betting goes live, like they'll have a buyer lined up. For that, so shouldn't be a ton of money lost there on on Fubo's front, but yeah, on the Chet's deal, uh, Fubo's in big trouble. Like I, I'd be stunned if a judge doesn't say like the parent company owes that money, especially when they're you know a going concern, aka an actual business. So um, yeah, I mean, again, like I just people act as if getting into the sports betting space is just like so easy and. You know, and we we'll talk about fanatics in the next uh, the next segment. But I just I think they bid off more than they could chew. I am not a huge fan of Fubo to begin with, um, like the the streaming app. So, like uh, you know, I, I've talked to a, uh, multiple people who are really close to the situation. The one of the large issues was all of the the lion share of Fubo's subscribers to their streaming app were in one state, aka New York and to think that you're going to dominate any state besides New York is a pipe dream, and then to they didn't even get a New York license. So it's like, you know, if the idea is we're going to convert all these users for free onto a sports betting Apple. A, all of your users are in one state, and then B, you didn't even get a license for that state. So there was just a lot of flaws with this model, and we see it all the time. I mean, this is this is not... The only casualty we won't name names in this episode but there's a few other books that i do not understand what their strategy is and they are throwing a ton of cash at this problem so um yeah i, I you know i wish they had succeeded we as at props we want as many primary operators to succeed so we're certainly rooting for them but in this situation it just didn't turn out that well
0: yeah um, and the last thing I'll say about this, just talking about the, the streaming business, I think there was a point in time where they had a really good business and because people were cutting their cable subscriptions and they needed somewhere to turn to find uh, live sports uh, without a cable subscription, uh, and the the big networks were, were slow to move on this, but... They've they've quickly realized this, and I think as time goes on, and some of these league deals, uh, the the broadcasting rights go up. Like the NBA deal is going to be up soon um i i think they're gonna you know disney's gonna ask for for more uh streaming rights i think and i think these broadcast companies are going to uh be you know make it way more accessible to to stream these live sports youtube tvs obviously come in so um fubo the Fubo business in general i think is i think a trending in in the wrong direction um but when one door closes, uh, another one opens. Uh, you mentioned it. Uh, you stepped on it earlier. Number three is the launch of Bet Fanatics, uh, which, uh, of course, is a arm of the uh, the Fanatics Company, which uh, sells jerseys and and um, sport you know clothing for for all the different major sports leagues. Um, it's it's a, ran by a guy named Michael Rubin. Uh, Rubin hired the former FanDuel CEO, Matt King, uh, who was extremely integral in, in bringing FanDuel uh, into the legal sports betting space and helped it make, uh, make it the number one market leader. Uh, earlier this year, Rubin said that their plan is to launch the online sports book in 15 to 20 states. By the fall of 2023, uh, I, I believe Ohio uh, will be their first one. Maryland, uh, the the acquire the rights to to do retail and online there as well. Um, I think those will be two of the the first ones you see them in. But 15 to 20 by by the end of next year is a lot. Uh, and uh, last but of course not least, the company recently raised 700 million dollars at a 31 billion dollar company valuation. Now, uh, not all that money is going to go to sports betting, but uh, Ruben did say that uh, part of that $700 million would be earmarked for their their launch into sports betting. Um, I I put this at number three because the Fanatics is the elephant in the room uh, in terms of of sports betting, right? I mean, FanDuel and DraftKings are by far and away the the market leader, um, but when you look at those two companies' valuations versus a 31 billion dollar valuation of Fanatics, um, it has a lot of people asking, you know, are, is Fanatics going to come in and 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 take a, a top spot away from from FanDuel DraftKings?
1: Yeah, um, it's a lot to unwrap there. You know, the pros of Fanatics, <clears throat> I would say, are the team. My room is a smart guy. I've, I've chatted with him a couple times at a, a Super Bowl and also the. Chicago NBA All Star game a few years ago. I'm impressed. Um, we have some mutual friends in Philadelphia. He's, a, of course, a, a, no longer a stockholder of the Philadelphia 76ers, HBSE, Harris Blitzer, who owns the Sixers and the Devils, but was, <laughs> he, he called himself like an owner. Josh Harris owns the Sixers. Um, he started Apollo. Um, so, and then uh, David Blitzer, which, which is where. Harris Blitzer and the HB of SE comes from. So, but regardless, successful guy. He started RSI. He sold that business to eBay. Then he bought back uh, Rulala. I want to say guilt, and then RSI, which is basically fin- what Fanatics became. So he's a smart guy. Like no doubt about it. I trust his judgment. I think he gets it. He's a very social guy. He posts a new NBA player every two days on his Instagram, whether it's Joel Embiid or Harden or his friends are Jay-Z, his friends with Meek Mill, like very connected, very smart. He's a hustler, been doing this for a long time. And like good combination of like kind of nerdy business geek, but also a social guy. So love, love him as a business person. Matt King, really impressive guy. Well, obviously he was at FanDuel. There's two other executives that we know very well at Fanatics that I'm impressed by. So from the team perspective, I like the team. But from a lot of other uh, angles, I don't like this company. I think the actual business is terrible. The merch it generally stinks. I've made two or three purchases on Fanatics. They've all been garbage. They shrink. They're way smaller than I thought they were going to be. It's way less quality than I thought it was going to be compared to, like, Amazon or Lululemon or Viore, all these other upstarts that I enjoy shopping online. I hated. Shopping online with Fanatics. They charge you for returns. Who does that these days? So a lot of problems with the main business. But then going on to the sports betting side, like the idea that we're going to transition all of these Fanatics users seamlessly onto sports betting is false. Like I disagree with that leap on how, because I bought a t-shirt on Fanatics four and a half years ago because I'm a Bulls fan, I'm going to convert that person onto a sports betting app four and a half years later. Now, like, if the idea is there's these really intense Fanatics users who, like, buy sports merch all the time and they're going to convert those people in the Fanatics sports betting app, like, okay, maybe. But, like, the, the Fanatics brand has, like, all these disparate websites that they run. There's, like, Fans Edge and Fans Unite and all these different apparel brands that are just, like, powered by Fanatics. So it's not like everyone's on the same site. So, like, if everyone was on the same site and you just, like, threw a tab in there and said, hey, come bet on sports, like, that's a different discussion. But, like, I just don't see the easy transition from fanatics users to sportsman users. And then the last point would be this was the argument people still to this day think this is why DraftKings and FanDuel were successful. I completely disagree with that. I, for example, never played DFS. The idea
0: was—just just to be clear, you're saying the the database
1: of yes. customers
0: that they acquired in the DFS business was the number one reason why they became the market leaders in in sports betting. Yes, be clear. that
1: that's the assumption, and I completely disagree with that. I, along with many of my other friends, never played DFS. But when I was living in New Jersey, when sports betting got legalized, I saw DraftKings and/or FanDuel and every NBA court inside of every NFL stadium doing deals with all the NHL teams, like all over the place. This company was the tech brand that I trusted that one sports came to my state. Like, yeah, I'm going to give those two guys a shot first. They were great apps. And then they kept me. So, you know, I just gave them a shot because they had such a broad sports marketing, um, uh, exposure. Fanatics doesn't have that. Like they say they do. They're like, yeah, we spent a lot of money with the with the Sixers or whatever team. Like, I, where? Like, I don't see those deals. Like, certainly not the, to the the level that Fandor or DraftKings spend with those teams. So, um, again, like I said with, you know, Mattress Mac and Fubo, like, I'm rooting for them. I like the team. I like that company. I just, you better come with cash, meaning don't think that, like, this conversion of users is going to be, like, cost you, like, five bucks because it it's not. You better come with 500, that's 700 million and even at that say that's 10 states and they spend 500 million on advertising 50 million a state like we know how quickly that can go 50 million per state's not that much
0: yeah so uh a lot a lot said there uh but yeah if if the uh if the ranking is done by uh the most personable CEO i think uh yeah just giffenatics just the the top spot right now right um Big but um, i i disagree slightly in the sense of the that that I think a lot of of the success of FanDuel and DraftKings was based on their database, but the I think a database full of daily fantasy players is a lot more valuable than a database of people who who buy jerseys, right? Like a lot of people who went who who bought their Christmas gifts on Fanatics aren't actually sports fans; they're just buying things for the kid or the sports fan uh, in in their life. But the other thing I'll say is that FanDuel and DraftKings, uh, way more so than MGM and Caesars, had experience in accepting online payments. And I think that cannot be overlooked. I think there's something to be said where people being comfortable putting their credit card in their site and the company having experience in in wanting to know, you know, and how that process wallets. works. The wallets, the just the just the, the the digital online experience of of giving someone your money. Whereas MGM and Caesars, their experience was in-person cash that that was their their main experience in terms of of hobby collected money not not so much online so um i agree with you in the sense that i think people are overstating the value of the fanatics database but um i i do think if there were to be a company that could overtake fan DraftKings, or at least give them a run for their money uh it, it would be this company uh, however, I think the switching costs are so high that um, it's going to be an extremely uphill battle for them to do that. Um, but like you said, I'm rooting for them, and uh, I think we will learn a lot uh, this time. This time next year. Uh, moving on, the second biggest story uh, of 2022 in the gambling world has to be uh, the stock market decline of of these gambling companies. Uh, the the way that investors and markets uh, treated gambling companies in 2021 could not have been more different uh, than they were treated in 2022. And now look, I realize that uh, stocks as a whole, markets as a whole were down this year compared to 2021, but um, gambling companies, especially, I think were were hit hard. I'm just gonna rattle off uh, a couple uh, numbers. This is uh year to date uh, on some of these uh, public companies. DraftKings down 58%. MGM down twenty six percent. Caesars down fifty four percent. Flutter, uh, which is the parent company of FanDuel, down thirteen uh, percent. And then uh, another story that I think was indicative of the the markets uh, for for gambling companies this year. Um, in September twenty twenty one, Endeavor, uh, which owns uh, UFC, if I'm not uh, right, if I'm not mistaken, um, uh, and you yes. know a talent agency that, that owns uh, UFC. Uh, they agreed to buy OpenBet, which was an arm of uh, a company, Scientific Games, uh, that basically was the platform, a uh, sportsbook platform for many big uh, sportsbooks. Endeavor agreed to buy OpenBet for 1.2 billion in September 2021. Then in June, Endeavor slashed that price by $400 million. Uh, and the final sale price was was $800 million. And that's still a lot of money, but I mean, to slash something by by 33%, um, I think is is uh, very indicative. Uh, however, and then the last thing I'll say is uh, our friend Chris Grove, uh, who who follows this industry. Uh, he was quoted as saying, "quote." 2022 was the year when markets aggressively overcorrected. The market is massive on a per capita basis and regulation is rolling out. The opportunity is fundamentally stronger now than it was in 2021. Uh, And so uh, Luke, I'll turn to you. Obviously you, you cover this uh, very closely. Um, Why was this the second biggest story of, of 2022?
1: Yeah. I mean, look, the market leader second market leader in draft games being off 6 nearly 60% in a year like that's that's a butt kicking so um it's a huge story it's it impacts fundraising it impacts fundraising it impacts marketing spend marketing spend impacts decision making decision making impacts the players you know so um i i i actually was i thought there would be more um you know ejection of sharps inside books because they were like that beginning, like this, this started last December. I mean, the market started to tick down early December, uh, late December 2021, most of January, it started to tick down. So, like, this has been going on for almost a year. So, I actually thought that a lot more books were going to be way stricter in, um, you know, kicking out sharp players and limiting sharp players. So, I still think that could happen more uh, going into next year just because these companies are now more focused on profitability than growth. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> unfortunate situation for props for startups that, you know, didn't have a giant balance sheet to start with. We certainly would have loved to raise more money this year. Uh, I know that we're not the only ones who are saying that, that are in the ecosystem. Um, you know, look at Tesla, Tesla's off 64% this year and they were the most valuable company in the world at the beginning of, of 2022. So it's not just sports betting. um, It's, it's the whole market. So I agree with Chris, Um, you know, this, this country is a hundred billion dollar country, a hundred million dollars was wagered on sports this year in in 2022 and, and legally. So the market's great, you know, I think, and, and for the most part, sports betting is generally recession proof. There's certainly, um, there might be a small subset of gamblers who are, you know might take some chips off the table or gamble less but for the most part like people are still enjoying their sports they're still throwing some bucks on NFL weekends and you know parlays as we've seen on NFL Sunday so um the, the opportunity's still there but you know when draftKings is off by 60% which is what a lot of investors peg us to when we're having those di- you know those conversations it's it's a pain in the butt
0: yeah um you know it 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 was never in my best interest to talk about this in 2021 when DraftKings was at these all-time highs, but you looked at that company valuation, and I and I, you know, I've been in this business for over a decade, and I just would tell people, I'm mean, like, look, like I don't think you realize how small margin uh, of a business sports betting is, and I would also talk about that when when states were saying how much money they were going to get in tax revenue, and I would say, look, you're getting basically a, a percentage of a percentage, uh, and it's, it's really not that big. Uh, however, it is something that is not going away. This is not an industry that I think is, is subject to, to a recession or to, uh, fraud. Like we saw with FTX, because it's so highly regulated. Like you're not going to see a company just that, that got, you know, that's, that has sports betting licenses. They're just not going to, uh, disappear and not give people their money back. Right. It's like, it's not subject to those types of, to those types of things. So I, again, I do agree with Chris that there was an overcorrection, like it's, where else could you see something where the 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 TAM the the total addressable market is growing but yet the 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 valuations are are going down so uh i i do agree that i think uh this will turn around uh, i think people yeah they just got a little tight with their purse strings um and, yeah, profitability became a huge thing. Uh, you know, DraftKings said from the get-go that they were going to lose money. They were going to spend, you know, billion, a billion dollars a year in marketing. They proceeded to spend a billion dollars in marketing, lose money like they said they would, and then all of a sudden everyone freaked out. It's like this is what they said they were going to do, right? So that, that, that always kind of confuses me when they, they do the thing they said. People loved it at the time, and then the results come out, and, and, uh, and people hated it.
1: Yeah, it's it's uh, a last thing. Just on the whole stock market, just economy in general. Like for the most part, there isn't anything fundamentally wrong right now. Like two thousand, you know, uh, twenty was of course COVID, and then like you know we had a, a real estate bubble in two thousand eight, and then the two thousand uh, year two thousand was tech. Like there's those were f- huge fundamental problems with the economy. Like we're not really having that right now. Inflation's a problem for sure. Like we need to curb inflation. That's soaring prices for everything is not good for anyone, but like in actual, like X's and O's of the economy. Like we're not in a terrible position. So I'm hopeful we can turn around next year. Um, But uh, yeah, definitely, you know, Jeff Bezos and many other much smarter people than I have been like, if you can like take a few chips off the table. And I know that we've certainly made a few of those tough decisions this year. So hopefully we get back on track next year, but Um, the, uh, the global economy is not in a beautiful place. I know there's really high energy costs overseas, so hopefully we can kind of curb all that and curb inflation and, uh, get back to a strong economy early next year.
0: Yeah. Um, long-term, I think sports betting is one of the most solid industries, uh, and it's something that's just going to keep growing. So, uh, I'm, I'm also hopeful that, uh, the decline was a 2022 thing and it's not something that we will be seeing for, uh, the next, you know, several years to come. Um, but, uh, that brings us to our number one story of the year drum roll, please. Uh, has to be California voting no on sports betting, uh, in the, the November ballot. Uh, it is obviously the, the largest state in the U S uh, and it was a resounding no. Uh, so just to give you uh, some backstory, I know we, we've talked about this previously on the podcast, but uh, there were two different prop questions uh, that were that California voters were faced with. Uh, one was Prop Twenty Six, which uh, basically said you had to uh, make your sports bets in person at the tribal casinos, and uh, that that bill was or that. Question was obviously backed by the by the casinos, and then Prop Twenty Seven uh, was for online only uh, sports betting. Uh, that was, of course, backed by FanDuel, DraftKings, Fanatics, uh, a couple other uh, companies as well, uh, and they both were were voted down um, in in November. Uh, both sides spent over a combined $400 million, with the vast majority of that going towards uh, TV advertising. Uh, and you know, one of the most interesting parts of this thing was that the tribes spent their money not to say vote yes on Prop 26, but to say vote no on Prop 27. Uh, it's something I've said for years that... The tribes have this attitude of either we can only have sports betting, or no one can have sports betting. Right? They they would rather no one have it than than them have to compete with 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 uh, with FanDuel and DraftKings and and those and those other companies. Um, it's uh, it was it's honestly astonishing that this failed. I I thought this would have been uh, a guarantee that at least one. I mean, we were talking about what happens if they both pass? Then what happens? Right? Like I mean, that was a serious question we were asking, uh, and uh, we could not have been more wrong about this um and this was just such a power play from the tribes I I think uh after this um you know people like Jason Robbins and and the CEOs of the other companies they must have had their tail between their legs saying wow we just got absolutely worked in California uh it was like I said such a uh a power move to show the the strength that these tribes have in in California and the fact that the voters listen to the tribes um Ryan Butler, who we had the podcast, talked about just how um, how integral some of these tribes are in their communities. They give lots of jobs. And if these say, you know, they're against something, then um, they'll 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 vote with them. So, um, Luke, what what was your takeaway from, from this story?
1: Yeah, uh, I mean, I spent a lot of time out there in Southern California. Mostly you can't you couldn't turn on the TV without seeing one of these ads. So um, I, I agree with you. The tribe self-reflexed their muscles. They flexed it with cash by basically buying up TV ads. Like, that's that's what their strategy was. And it just, even literally, like, I am in the industry. I know exactly how this industry operates and how other states have done this. I was confused by the TV ads. Like, if I'm confused, like, the general voter is, of course, going to be confused at, like, Do if I vote for retail, then can I also vote for mobile? Is it mutually exclusive? Can they, you know, can they both? Like,
0: just to cut you off for a second, and I'll I'll let you continue. But just an important note, I think, and Ryan Butler talked about this. The the Prop 27, the one backed by the the online sports books, their strategy was to talk about how this money was going to help the homeless, right? That mm-hmm. all the, the, the revenue from the sports betting would go to homelessness, and they really tried to, you know, force that down the people's throat saying, you know, help the homelessness. And I think that's what the commercials were doing was like saying, hey, like, vote, you know, vote to help the homeless. And everyone kind of found that disingenuous to say, no, these are – this is – DraftKings and FanDuel, stop trying to make it seem like this is something to help the, help the homeless. So uh, I, I, I assume that's kind of where the confusion is. Like It's like the messaging was
1: just off, right? That was another part of confusion for sure is that 27, which is wh- who was backed by FanDuel, DraftKings, Barstool, that was pushing, like, let's solve homelessness. So that was also confusing. But I'm simply saying, like, I got so many text messages from people in California saying, which one – should I vote for? Like, I don't know what to do. Please help me decipher which prop is better. It was just a complete cluster F and uh, you know, voters were just totally confused. So 27 did, um, did a bad job explaining it because you know, these these friends of ours, like they under of course know what DraftKings and FanDuel are in all these other states and all these other states have had it for so long. Like, they just want that to happen. But then like the tribes came and flexed their spending muscle by advertising during every single Monday night football game incessantly, like, hey, don't vote for that. You know, vote for this, and then we'll you can only bet on premise at our casino. So it just it was it it. Completely confused the voter. Um, very annoying for us. We of course wanted it to pass, um, and yeah, I mean, just just goes to show that um, logic does not always prevail in in politics. And even even the FOMO argument we use all the time, like all these other states are getting it, so you know, California should want it. It doesn't always work out like that.
0: Yeah, um, and I'll just I'll just reiterate that number again: over four hundred million dollars spent uh with a lot of that going just towards tv commercials and we are in a no different place today than we were uh, a couple months ago and 400 million dollars was spent
1: um, i almost
0: wonder you know would we just talked about these these stocks like i i think that also kind of hurt it too i think if, yeah. if california 40 million people had access to, to sports betting i think you would have seen maybe uh a, a bump in some some of those stocks but um these the sports books are going to have to go back to the drawing board uh uh we've talked to people in the industry and they're going to have to i think they realize that the they thought they could win this battle against the tribes and and they found out the hard way the expensive way that that they're going to lose so i think they're going to have to go back to the drawing board and come back with a plan that um the tribes sign off on like they can't just go up against them they're going to have to come to the bargaining table and come up with a plan that that they can both agree with but you know, again, we just talked about how there's not as much money as you would think. So I also have a hard time believing there's going to be a, a plan they come up with where the tribes are happy, the sports books are happy, the state is happy. Um, right. You know, as Ryan Butler talked about the podcast, like you, if you talk about California's, you know, huge uh, total budget state budget, you know, the, the tax revenue is a, a drop of the bucket for that. So uh it's, I don't know what they're going to come up with, but it's got to be something that, that the agree to before they bring it to the voters. Cause they could not go through another situation where they spend $400 million on a, on a loser.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I just, I, I never understood why we couldn't increase the amount of money that the tribes ask for to do a market access agreement. Like for example, um, full house resorts in Indiana, very small brick and mortar casino, it's in rural Indiana. Um, they sold their market access, their mobile market access in the state of Indiana for like eight million bucks to win. And you know, obviously California would be orders of magnitude larger than that. So I I just there there has to be a number in my opinion where the the brick and mortar casinos, pachanga is like a big one in, in near San Diego. Pachanga says Okay, DraftKings, you owe me two hundred million dollars to run your mobile app in the state of California, and then and that's separate from California licensing. That's separate from the state. Like DraftKings, you have to pay Pachanga two hundred million. Pachanga's happy. DraftKings is happy. Like, and of course, the state license fee still exists. And I maybe that number is too too large, but whatever the number is, whether it's two hundred million or hundred million, like there there has to be a number that makes everyone happy. I would think.
0: Right, so uh, FanDuel and DraftKings and and those companies, their strategy was... So to be clear, they they proposed an online license fee of $100 million per sportsbook, but that money was going to go towards the state. And I think their strategy was... Uh, you know, that money goes towards the state, that money is earmarked for homelessness, that will get people on our side and we are going to cut the tribes out. I, I think the thought we don't, we want no part of these tribes uh, and, you know, $100 million each, you know, let's say there's 10 sports books, that's a billion dollars going towards the state. the thought, I think that would garner enough goodwill. Um, and yeah, I... I the, the tribe tried to cut out the tribes, and yeah, they're going to have to come back with a plan that says, "Okay, tribes get the license, and then we'll buy the license from the tribes." Uh, but in that scenario you laid out, I, you know, where does the state come in, right? they're yeah, They're, no, they're going to pay, they're gonna have to pay the the tribes for the license, and then the state's going to get, you know, like I said, ten percent of 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 revenue, and like, you know, what's what's that really going to do? So, uh, you know, these are all problems that are, you know, that other people are going to have to figure out. But uh, unfortunately, I think we are in there's going to be at least another two to four years we're gonna to have to wait, uh, f- for this. So, um, really a shame. Like, like you said, we, we were rooting for sports betting at least one of these things to, to pass. Uh, and, uh, just another situation where, where everyone's kind of, uh, losing and except for the bookies, right? I guess the, yeah. that the California bookies are, are still, uh, winning in this. So, um, just an absolute crazy story that like, uh, like I said earlier, I, I would have wagered a lot of money to say that California would have voted yes on this because maybe, because we just know so many people who 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 want this right um but regardless uh you know we'll, we'll see what happens with that um but that will wrap it up uh what a you know what a crazy year it's been uh just an industry that's constantly growing i think 2023 will will be another huge year um like states like ohio massachusetts uh will be launching uh very shortly uh more you know, hopefully Florida turns it around and, uh, we shall see. So, uh, any, any closing, uh, remarks before we, uh, sign off for the, uh, until, until the new year.
1: Yeah. There's could just be a, a really big long shot that goes to the NBA finals at like the Boston Celtics and a really big long shot in a big sports city, like the photo of the Phillies. If that could just happen every year. You know, I'm, I'm happy. Uh, but yeah, awesome. I mean, the, the sports, calendar played exactly like we wanted to crazy underdog story gets to the championship loses phillies did that celtics did that a ton of people sold the tickets at props up we loved it of course the buyers at the time got the best prices in the country on both the phillies and celtics so they won as well or at least saved some cash on that sports bet another world cup was really successful and uh here we are at the nfl where there's been a a very topsy-turvy uh football season as well with teams going up and down and yeah, the sports has found exactly what we wanted to happen. I wish the stock market would follow suit. Hopefully, it happens.
0: You you, you left out the biggest one. The biggest one was the Bengals. That was the biggest. Yeah, that was the biggest uh, prop story of every, of 20, every sport of twenty twenty two. So uh, yeah, we'll. Uh, I fingers crossed for another Bengal story in this NFL playoffs. Um, enjoy the bowl games. Enjoy the college f- football playoffs. Uh, we will and uh, we will talk to you next week.